Welcome to the RPG Goblin, and in today's episode, we are going to be exploring and delving deep into City of Mist, an investigative noir TTRPG where you live in a city that's shrouded by this purple mist. But the city and the residents itself aren't exactly normal or ordinary. And when you can see past what the mist is hiding, you can see that the people and the places in this city are mythos, legends, and myths come to life. For this episode, I brought on Hunter from the Mysteries Unknown podcast to talk all about City of Mist with me. And I am so excited for you to listen to this episode because this game is absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. This game is so moody and you get to play these characters and experience a world that is filled with these legends come to life. And I can't wait for you to hear all of the stories that Hunter shares in this episode from his experiences with running City of Mist. So without further ado, let's get into it. Oh, and before we start the episode, the RPG Goblin has actually reached a thousand downloads, which I'm so, so, so happy about. I still can't believe we've reached this goal. Because we reached a thousand downloads, I really want to celebrate this huge milestone with you. So if you haven't yet, please make sure to follow the RPG Goblin on social medias, aka Twitter and Instagram, both at the RPG Goblin, so that you can keep an eye out for when I'm going to be hosting Two giveaways, one on Instagram and one on Twitter. These giveaways are going to be a huge thank you to every single person that has listened to and supported the RPG Goblin so far. So please make sure to follow us on social media so that you can find out when these giveaways will be happening. Now we can start the episode. (laughs) Welcome everyone to the RPG Goblin. Uh, I am your host, Willow, and I'm the one who, you know, asks the questions and all of that. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about City of Mist, which is a really, really interesting TTRPG that I've been interested in a long time. I just haven't had the opportunity to read it yet. And so I'm like, all right, I need to find, I need to talk about this game. I need to find, I need to find a way to talk about it. And I was scrolling through the interweb and I found a really awesome podcast. And in today's episode, I have brought on Hunter, who is the GM of that podcast, to talk all about City of Mist. So, Hunter, if you would like to introduce yourself. Well, hello, listeners, and welcome this time to the RPG Goblin Podcast. So, as Willow has said, my name is Hunter the Game Master, but on when I run City of Mist, I go by Hunter the Master of Ceremonies, as that's the official title for Game Masters in the game. And I run the Mysteries Unknown podcast, where the majority of the time we'll play City of Mist, but I'm also looking into playing other TTRPGs coming up. And thanks to this podcast I've listened to, I've got a whole list of them now. So, And I'm also in the process, I'm going to be starting a sideshow called I Don't Know How to DM, and that's going to focus more on like the more complex Dungeons & Dragons type side. But for this one, yeah, we're focusing on City of Mist today, and I'm about to drop knowledge bombs like I'm Oppenheimer basically today with this, so <laughs> I have been really looking forward to doing this. I'm so glad. I just I always love bringing on people who are just so excited and in love with these different games, and from what you've said so far, I am just 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 the the amount that you're like this is gonna this might turn into two episodes you know i have so much knowledge i have so many things that i'm ready to say i am so prepared for this so let's um get started with kind of the first question the best introduction question what is city of mist so from the basic rundown so city of mist is a mystery noir tabletop game 
using the Powered by the Apocalypse RPG system. So if you're familiar with games like Apocalypse World, uh, Thirsty Sword Lesbians, Monster of the Week, there's a couple others out there that I can't think of at the top of my head right now. All really great games also, by the way. <laughs> yes, definitely. And so it uses that system. So it's a 2D6 system. And the general premises of this is you are just in a city. It, there's no like perfect description of like where the city is located. People can just kind of make up where the city is as they play along, depending on what they're trying to do. But this is basically just a generic kind of modern day city shrouded in this deep purple mist. And the mist hides everything that could be considered supernatural and paranormal. Basically, it's a city where gods and monsters exist in reality. So as I like to say, the milkman that delivers your milk, that mist roll, if that mist rolls away for like a split second, he becomes all bent and crooked, and you see that this is this is the rift of the crooked man. Or mm. if the or if you go to the teller at your bank, the mist rolls aside for a split second. And there's Queen Cleopatra right there herself, like doing your money orders. That's and there's just amazing. Yeah, there's just so much. Like like I said, I I spent like two years researching this game before I felt comfortable enough to like, okay, I'm going to start running this now. And even as I run the games currently, I just learned more and more and more and insert just more stuff as I'm playing now. So it's just crazy what just what you can do with it, which is why I really love uh, Power by the Apocalypse games just in general that create that narrative creativity mm-hmm. because just really works for me. And I don't mind sharing this right off the bat because a lot of people know this who know me by now. I was diagnosed with autism at a young age. And the phrase that was most common with it is people with autism usually think in pictures, not in words. So mm-hmm. that more of that, like, as I'm reading the book, it's a movie playing in my head. And that's basically what CMS, I treat CMS like is I'm seeing this movie play out as I'm running these games kind of deal. That's amazing. That's so cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. City of Mist is such an interesting concept that's actually just the um this is from the title of i think it's just the player's book i don't know if it's also the mc book but uh it's city of mist ordinary people legendary powers like it it's got such a strong concept and it's one of my i mean that's that's what i also like about powered by the apocalypse games as well is that they're so they take a certain idea and they just accomplish it so well (laughs) so yeah but that's really really awesome talked about sort of the setting and and the base idea for the game but what kind of stories is city city of mist best at telling so so based on the modules that i have run because there are a few modules that are released out if you get the you can get the quick start off their website absolutely free it comes with two uh, case modules right off the bat. The first one is, and I've actually ran both of these, uh, Demons at Cross End, which is about a possible demigod that's about to come back and cause chaos. And you put, and you have to basically, you, your characters are trying to solve this mystery, and it's tied into other stuff that's happening in the sea. So it's mystery, so it's basically majorly mystery noir with, yeah, those kind of fight scenes thrown into the mix every now and then as well. And that's what I try to focus more heavily on is more the mystery and the combat's more like the climax Mm -hmm. of the game is kind of how it's treated. And then the other one that I recently finished recording that I'm going to start releasing over the summer is called V is for going viral. And this is about high school students are like disappearing and then reappearing, but they're reappearing as completely different people now. And you got to figure what's going on with that as well. And it's got this whole kind of black plague vibe going around it. 
Oh, I like that a lot. Mystery mystery TTRPGs are always really interesting. Um, I'm curious, what it, just in your opinion from running uh, City of Mist, wh- how well do you think it would run kind of a murder mystery scenario? Oh, definitely very well. As um, so the a recent the recent one shot I did because one of the things I do on my podcast is I take Dungeons and Dragons podcasters and I throw them into the City of Mist game for a one shot, <laughs> introduce them to this. So the last one I did, and the part one just released, it's going to be a three-parter. It's called Of Lies and Leprechauns, and it was a late St. Patrick's Day one-shot I did with the Fireside Dice podcast. Mm-hmm. And, bas- and basically, uh, kind of spoiler alert, there's a leprechaun going around murdering people. <laughs> so I bas- and one of the things I really do is I take major inspiration from like comics and movies and stuff. So I was basically taking the leprechaun from the leprechaun horror movies and throwing them into the City of Mist. That's kind of the general <laughs> idea. Terrifying. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, that sounds really cool. And uh, and that's going to be coming out in the summer? Um, no, The Lies of Leprechaun, oh. part one just got released this Saturday, and the next two parts are going to be released over the next two weeks. And so it's going to be the, – the, so these three Saturdays, the not counting the one that just happened, there's it's three parts to this uh, one shot I did because it was like over mm-hmm. like three – it was over like three hours. And I just mm-hmm. wanted to split it up to give people like more content to listen to basically. Absolutely. Now I'm curious. So with some of the, uh, it's, it seems like you've run quite a few of the scenarios that have come from the actual like publishers of city of mist. Do you have a favorite? Oh, well, so I haven't, so I've, the the official modules that I've done, I've only done demons and cross and envious for going viral. Mm -hmm. Now there's also a, I'll pull this up bad podcasting here, but I'm going to pull this up really quick. City of Mist also mm-hmm. released a campaign book called Knights of Pain Town. Mm-hmm. And this is and this has nine different cases that go in like two that go through three different arcs and they all tie into one mystery tenth case at the very end. Oh, that's bas- so cool. And just the cover of this is just awesome. Because I I'm real I'm a big uh color red fan, so I really like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's as it says, it's a story arc of crime, magic, and lost souls. Because so each so there's like three different veins they call it in this campaign, and basically two. It's each vein has three cases, and the first two cases will always tie back to the third and final case of that vein. But there's mm-hmm. also clues from that third case in each vein that will tie into what happens in the tenth mystery case that happens mm. in this campaign. So basically, it's kind of like um, – think of like oh, – how do I want to describe this? I want to almost say think of like if Mork Bork took place in modern day. <laughs> it's kind of like – it's kind of – it's a town that – That would be wild. <laughs> it's a town that's kind of like woe is me kind of deal mm-hmm. at the when you play this game because there's all this stuff that's going on. Everyone just feels lost and hopeless, and it ties into like – you have like the band. There's characters that have like riffs of like. There's the banshee. There's the ghost of a Christmas feud. There's a ghost of Christmas tomorrow. You have King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. You have the Wendigo. You have so many different characters that play a role. There's the Snow Queen from the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which Absolutely. I thought was really cool because that's a character that's completely underrated. The Snow Queen from <laughs> that book series, especially. That is wild. And I mean, I think at this point, I mean, that campaign book sounds really freaking cool. But at this point, uh, people might be a little uh, confused why you're mentioning, you know, characters and like kind of myths and things like that. (laughs) 
What does that mean within this game? What do these myths mean? So to start off with just a basic kind of description. So in the city of mist, there are basically, so there's three different kinds of people that you will find in this city. The -hmm. first one is the group of, is the people that are sleepers and sleepers refers to people that have absolutely no powers, normal mundane humans. Basically the, if you basically, there'd be like the muggles from the Harry Potter world, Mm -hmm. except they're sleepers in the city of mist. The next one is the rifts. And the rifts are the people with the powers that have these myths and legends imbued in them that the mist also gives these people as well. And as well, besides hiding the powers, it gives them these powers as well. So, like mm-hmm. I said, Milkman, that's the rift of the Crooked Man. Uh, Bank Teller, that's the rift of Clean Cle- Cleopatra. And then all these others I just explained just now. And we'll probably go into this at some point, but in the player's guide, um, it will actually lead you through the process of how to create these characters as well. Because one thing I actually just realized that makes City of Mist different from any other Power Buddy Apocalypse game. Because when you look at Apocalypse World, Thirsty Sword Lesbians, Monster of the Week, all the characters have certain playbooks. Yes. And your stats are based on that playbook. In City of Mist, you have theme books. Mm-hmm. And you and what you do is you have mythos theme books and logos theme books. Your mythos theme books, these are what your myth mythological powers will come from. And then your logos themes are like who you are in your everyday life as a human. So like what you do for your for like a job, your personality, a defining relationship, maybe a possession or family heirloom that you own. That is mm-hmm. your logos. So it goes through in-depth on the character creation in the player's guide. But then if you want to look further into it and you get the Shadows and Showdown expansion, it actually has a uh, rapid character creation where it has like different themes and tags already set up for you to use if you're just trying to make one on the fly instead of going in-depth on a character. That's really awesome. And it feels like this sort of game is really good with any kind of collaborative character creation seems like there's a lot of wiggle room as well as what kind of characters you can play and what they can do. Yeah. And how this game also works differently from other power by the apocalypse games is instead of adding like the stat to it, what you do is all your themes will have three power tags and one weakness tag. And there is, there is a rule in the book where for one theme you can have like four power tags with the exception. You have to have a second weakness tag onto it. So, and because the weakness tags are part are part of the gameplay of how you level up those themes in the process, because you can like you can also gain and lose themes as well, and we'll probably go into that at some point. But yeah. going back to like for example, in your mythos theme books, you have adaption themes, which is like you have a range of magical spells. You're adapting to a harsh environment. You can shape shift or power copy. You're like a mysterious, unpredictable force, or you can manipulate the elements. Mm-hmm. So. And then so you and each theme has like you have to answer like three questions. And the first one, question A, is when you always answer, and then you pick two more from that list of question. And then you pick well, just one weakness tag question, you answer that as well. And then what you do is and when the is then the, the MC will tell you what you're rolling for, and then you have to tell them which power tags from all your themes you think you can use. And so you can it can range from using only one power tag or I've seen people can use up to six based on how they create this. Because like, if oh, you create wow. a character, that's like, like, for example, if you create a character, that's more on the persuasive side of things and you build this character to be 
like more persuasive than anything else. You can mm-hmm. use all those tags. Given the MC can also turn around and say either that doesn't work or he's going to activate this weakness tag in the process. And every time mm-hmm. you get you get every time you get a weakness tag used, you get an attention on that theme. You get three attention on that theme. You can either you basically level up and you can choose for, to either get another power tag, get another weakness tag, which would give you more chances to level up faster. Or there's also theme improvements, which mm-hmm. is which kind of is kind of basic of the powered by the apocalypse system. So, for example, here like adaptation theme improvements for like you can be get the game changer. So when you change the game with power attacks from this theme, it's dynamite. And there's actually a mechanic for it when you're and when when you roll dynamite, that's like if you get twelve or more on a dice. There's mm-hmm. extra stuff that can happen, and we'll probably get into all that at some point too because that ties into a lot of the move sets and mm-hmm. that can happen in this game as well. That is super cool. I've always found the whole like theme book idea and the themes to be really, really interesting. How does one go go about creating the theme? So like you answer the questions and you you pick the tags, but is there any other like parts to it? So on the actual main character sheet, so it's kind of like a couple like three or four pages. The first page of it is more like who you are as your character. And I would definitely say you kind of want to set up more of like what your character is before you go into the themes. <laughs> because just, just so you get my idea, like, let me just use this for an example. So I was inspired by a Spotify podcast talking about Harley Quinn to make my own version of Harley Quinn in City of Mist. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was so she and so to fit her into City of Mist, she is a. So what I did, she's a female pimp. That's the rift of the carny clown. And she's also the one with all the underworld connections as well. Mm-hmm. And so. And so I, you could actually see this artwork of her on my Instagram because that's where I post a lot of the artwork I have made for my Sydney's characters. I just create in the back of my mind, and so <laughs> she's got like she's got the Harley Quinn hammer and everything. So, oh, that's super awesome. So basically, just like a, a, a it doesn't even have to be a super strong character concept, but a good grasp of the character first, and then go into creating like the themes. Yeah, because and then it's like trying to think of what else here it's like my brain's trying to short out and it shouldn't be because i was just so dead set <laughs> on all this so let me use this for example another popular same mist podcast called ruling in the mist which is my great inspiration for why i started to do this to begin with mm-hmm. in their newest season they have a basically they're playing as kind of like the bad guys think of like the think of like the bad guy movie with all the criminal animals but put it in city of mist kind of concept <laughs> idea where they're just causing chaos and trouble and doing things for the Olympus crime family, which is a mafia family that's all riffs of the Olympus gods. Oh, that's cool. So, and so one of the characters is a uh, basically he's a mafia made man. That's the rift of Hercules, mm-hmm. and so he's this big old tall tough guy. And part of his uh, mythos is he has the um, the lion that Hercules killed. He's that's his coat. In mm-hmm. the game, as like a as like a relic, because you can also get any magical items that you're that the mythos may have used can take on like modern day forms in the city of mist. So like so the cool. so like Thor's hammer can be like a construction worker's sledgehammer mm-hmm. in the process kind of deal. And so yeah, he's like this super buff, super strength guy with this coat of basically that's in nigh invincible. So it's that kind of concept, but it's like what either like it's a mythos that you think could work well with the theme or like in some cases a mythos that's the complete opposite of what that person is. Like for one character I'm making that I was starting to work on, he's a 
kind of he's one of the he's a debt lawyer that whose whole pro- concept is he wants to help the downtrodden in the city but he has the rift of lubu from the three kingdoms in him and he struggles constantly with the anger of that mythos oh interesting oh that's really fun so he has so he has like the cross pike weapon which in in reality, it's like a cross necklace, but once he yanks it off, it like transforms into this cross pike in his hands. And mm-hmm. then he has like that angry, like warrior spirit as another part of his mythos. And then if he was to lose another uh logos to replace one of the mythos, I would choose the 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 red hair steed that Lubu has in the games. That was like the fastest horse he ever had as a familiar mythos theme. So you can gain more like mythos? So another mechanic that happens in City of Mist <laughs> is there's the fade and crack to all the logos. Your mythos can fade and your logos can crack. And that and that happens more like if you do something that goes against those themes. Like if you're like let's say for example my Lubu mythos character, if he was to run away from a fight instead of giving in to the mythos and charging, that I would say that would put a crack in his mythos. And if you get three fader cracks on any theme, you will lose that theme and you replace it basically opposite. So if you lose your Ooh. mythos, you're getting a new logos. If you lose a logos, you gain a new mythos. I and like now, that a lot. Now, here's the thing. You have a total of four themes total. So you can have one mythos, three logos, half and half mythos logos, or three mythos, one logos. Mm-hmm. That. The problem lies then is when you're doing the one mythos, the th- the set that has either the one mythos or the one logos. If you were to lose that last mythos lane, you don't gain another logos. What happens instead is you become one of the sleepers. And now the mist hides everything that happens from you. And if you're still with the party, there's effects that happen towards like the party will start at a negative rate because they're trying to do mytho- mythos effects around this sleeper. Mm-hmm. But, and then this goes into, did I already talk about avatars yet? Um, no, but I think this is a great, great point to to do that. So this is the, th- I don't, I think I said, I said three and I got into the rifts, the third mm-hmm. person that's in the city. And these are the avatars. These people have completely lost their humanity and fully believe that they are this mythos. Mm-hmm. And so, and they also, they're basically like the secret shadow organization that's, that's running everything in the city. So if you lose that final logos theme and you have the three mythos, you just have those three mythos. You don't gain another mythos. And you're now this avatar. And then you become like super powered in a sense. Because at so one of the mechanics in this game is you can burn a tag for like an instant success of a mm-hmm. 10. Basically, being an avatar, you can just repeatedly do that. You can burn a tag and then regain that burn tag back. Oh wow. And but then with, with sleepers and avatars, the players can decide then when they come back to mm-hmm. kind of being their humanity. So the sleeper decides when they want to reawaken, and or the avatar decides when they want to get back to humanity. Yeah, that would make <laughs> some really, really interesting scenarios to actually happen within the game, like gaining that back. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's really cool. I didn't so, know that was possible, but that makes a lot of sense. And I'll share this story with you. So the very first game I ran, this was before I started this podcast. So I did a horror-based campaign for like six months mm-hmm. during this, this, like two years ago during the summer, and I called it the Horrors That Be. And the pre- mm-hmm. g- the general premise is it was a horror cabal that was kidnapping kids in the city. So the leader was Slenderman, and his underlings mm-hmm. were 
uh, a reskin Lady Dimitrescu, the Jigsaw <laughs> puppet that also happened to own a pet Wendigo. Of course. And then what I did for I took I took Willy Wonka and combined it with Golden Freddy to make like this crazy toy maker inventor that had like all these cybernetic parts on him as well. And then I also threw in other I threw in like a uh, Siren Head, the False Hydra from D and D. I also threw in the Blair Witch as well. And then I had a scene with a Russian demon toad where they had where they met with him and they had to make a deal with him to get like some power up so they could beat the Slender Man. And during that meet up with the demon toad, one of my players became an avatar. Oh shoot! And he was he he had the mythos of the Fake King Oberon. Mm-hmm. And so he became the faking Oberon, and they just wiped the floor with the Slender Man when they finally came to the final <laughs> battle. But I also had them like basically help because I was not saying this up for DC. So they also had um a detective that had the mythos of uh the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. They re- they had rescued the kid that I gave the mythos of Billy the Kid <laughs> because you can do like characters from history as well. And mm-hmm. then there was also. Who else did I have? I have one of my an NPC I use very often, and especially in some of my games now, was a barmaid who was a centaur that can summon like light construct weapons. That is so cool. And so, yeah, they basically had this big old fight with the Slender Man and wiped the floor with him, despite all the effects that I had. Because in the MC Toolkit, you can cre- it gives you sections on how to create your own dangers as well, and all mm-hmm. the effects that you can do with it. As well, when you're if you're trying to homebrew games, absolutely. I, I I'd love to get into that more, uh, but I think hearing all these stories is even more. Again, wanting me to play the game. Actually, uh, the amount that it's so loose with character creation with your mythos, like you could be anything. You could be your own custom creation. You could be things from history, from actual myths and stories, from video games with Lady Demetresu. That is so, so cool. Um, how often do people do their own custom mythos over something that's already that already exists? So in so the City of Mist actually has its own Discord and it actually has mm-hmm. a character creation channel where people are just constantly talking about like, here's a character idea I have, here's what I want to do with it. Like the newest idea with it, so have you seen the John Wick movies? Um, I have not, unfortunately. <laughs> Do you know John Wick, though? I'm assuming you're familiar yeah, with Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know. <laughs> so part of – I have not seen the movies myself. I've seen the clips. So part of uh, John Wick is because he's such a murder hobo, um, mm-hmm. people refer to him as Baba Yaga. Mm. So I was thinking about – I just randomly thought about that on day. What if I put John Wick of City of Mist and he actually had the rift of Baba Yaga in him? That would be so cool. And so he has – and so in the Shadows and Showdowns expansion, there's extra themes, and there's one for the theme of an enclave, which is like a mythological place that they can call home. Mm-hmm. So his enclave would be the Chicken Leg Hut. That's part <laughs> of Baba Yaga's story. And then he would constantly be f- – because his because my idea for how John Wick got his mythos in City of Mist would be he like a kid got killed in the crossfire, and that was on him. Mm-hmm. And that's what caused Baba Yaga, the mythos, to enter him. So now he's constantly having to fight this mythos of Baba Yaga in him at the same time. Interesting. Actually, that brings up a – so you aren't just like born – like this, like you, you're not born with 
the mist like giving you these powers? Does so- something specific has to happen? It's called being awakened in the city of mist lore. Is mm-hmm. yeah, there's something about this mist that you see something that just awakens this in you. It just suddenly and it could be like oh you found this relic of like thor and now you have the missiles of thor just overtaking mm-hmm. you or you found king Ar- or you found excalibur and now king arthur is overpowering you as well and it's and that's part of the gameplay is keeping that balance between the mythos powers it, that are in you and then your humanity that's still kind of holding on to that as well in the process absolutely oh that's really cool i like that a lot yeah, because there's people that use the powers for good, and there's people that use the powers for evil. And there's quite a few that try to use the power for their own personal gains, and it happens mm-hmm. in the City of Mist. And you're just trying, and at least in the base setting, it seems like you are trying to play the good guys. Yes, so that actually ties into something else. So when you have all these characters in City of Mist, and you have your players at the table, you have the option of creating a crew theme. And what this, this crew theme basically helps set up how your crew knows each other. Mm-hmm. And so, and this is an extra thing that you all have that basically you all will have extra power, also power tags and a weakness tag that you can use to add onto your role. The difference is these power tags are called crispy tags instead of the mist. So once you use them once they're burnt and you can't use them again until you get them back at the end of the, of the K of the session. Mm. So Ooh, you can, yeah, you can get, extra themes as well like say you have like say you found a relic at some point you now have the extra theme of this relic now like um enrolling them in the same season this w- one play this one player who's a he's a shady car dealer with the mythos of the kitsune in mm-hmm, him and he and during this one height he accidentally kills a scientist named dante mm-hmm but in the process of actually killing him, he took in this guy's mythos that they didn't know he had. Oh. And I'll give you one guess who the scientist Dante's mythos was. I have no idea. Dante's Inferno. Oh. <laughs> so basically, now that he had this was an extra theme, like he could now see like the like all the layers of hell. And he could oh, that's use these. Insane. He could use these layers of hell to like his advantage now from accidentally killing this guy. He basically took this guy's powers without mm-hmm. realizing it. Oh, that is really cool, and that's that's awesome. The fact that there can actually be usability in finding relics and stuff like that. Because I was wondering, like, you know, if you find something else, does that completely take over your mythos? Does that like cause issues? Can you actually use it? That's really awesome. Yeah. So you could. And you don't have and the fate and crack method isn't the only way you can lo- lose like your themes as well. Mm-hmm. If you feel like your mystery or your identity is no longer applicable to who your character is now with what's going on in the game, you can choose to either change that mystery or identity, or you can just completely renounce that theme and replace it with the opposite. And I had that happen in my V's for going viral game because basically there was one session I put these guys through trauma. And it completely messed up my character's uh, personality logos theme. And Mm -hmm. she was, and this character was the Rift of Bloody Mary. So she lost her personality logos and changed it to a blood adaptation mythos. Interesting. That's really cool. Yeah. And so that's another part is crew themes and also the idea of getting extra themes. 
And also with the crew theme, you also have help and hurt points, which mm-hmm. is like, so you'll also, I think every theme on these here will have questions. And then you just pick one at random and you will ask that one character or player that one question from that one theme. And that defines oh, if you will yeah. start off, that will define if you have to start off with a help or a hurt point against them. And th- and someone can use that help or hurt point to either help you with a move or work against you on a move if it doesn't fit with what they're trying to do. That's really interesting. So it's like a little bit of like um, character, like relationship building on top of actual mechanical benefits. Yeah, so you you can set it up if you want ahead of time, or I have, or it's like some players will do a session where it's like they just got thrown in, and then they build the crew theme afterwards. So, oh, that's really cool. I like that a lot. That's awesome. Oh, this this game seems really really fun. From what I've seen, like I know it's a powered by the apocalypse games, uh, apocalypse game, but I've heard people mention that it's got like aspects of fate in it with how the character creation is done and all of that. So actually, hearing you explain through it, I I'm finding it incredibly interesting because I've played quite a bit of powered by the apocalypse myself, and while I see like the similarities, there are just things that are quite different that i find intriguing such as like the tags and the mythos and the uh, theme books and all of that that's so so cool um is there any other parts of character creation that you haven't touched on yet because i mean we (laughs) there's been quite a bit so far and i'm not sure if there's any more so there is but it's kind of separate in a way Mm -hmm. so they introduced this in the Shadows and Showdowns expansion. Let me get that pulled up really quick here. So Shadows and Showdowns, it was originally, it's like three different sections. It was released individually, and then they just threw it all into one book. So like I said, mm-hmm. there was new theme books that were introduced for Logos and Mythos. Um, there was the rapid-fire character creation, which, so what you do, you'll choose mm-hmm. like whatever your archetype is from like, like see, like say your legendary archetype is like a king or a queen. And then you can pick from like one of the examples or think of another one. And then, so Touched is having one mythos. Borderliner is having two. And then Legendary is having three. And these are just the examples of those mythos themes you pick. So what you would then do is you would go to Mythos Legendary. So let's say one of them was Cleverness. There's your mystery. Here's the power text you can pick from. You keep that first one, and then you pick two more. And then you have the one weakness tag. And then it tells you what kind of theme it is so that way you if you want to do a theme improvement for that theme you can do so same thing with the logos but then also it chooses you after you choose like what kind of archetype you have if you if you say you're just touch you choose a new archetype it tells you what kind it is and then you also have for your other two you have your a personal feature logos or like accessory companion npc logos so say Mm. you can be an attorney at law who's an alcoholic that is that has a defined relationship with some loved one. Interesting. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yes, that's part of it. But then that that's actually really good being able to make characters easy like that, especially for like a one shot. Like, oh, let's just try this out. <laughs> so there is a fourth kind of person in City of Mist. Hmm. And these people are called the gatekeepers. Now they have no powers. But they're awakened and can see all that is going on within the mist. And basically, these are the men in black of the game. Because their whole purpose is hide this activity from the sleepers, make sure no more get made. Mm-hmm. 
And so it has this whole, and you can actually make gatekeeper players now. And there's gatekeeper themes that you can use as well. Oh, like part awesome. of, so like you have the advanced art theme, which basically allows you to use the Missy your advantage to fight enemies. You have unit theme books. So basically your guys are like gatekeeper seals and you just are just going in to take care of the, take care of the problem kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So basically oh, that's really cool. Men in Black of the of this game, basically, and that's like, and these guys, I started introducing them into my game recently and tying them into like a lot of what's been going on within like just the various games I've had, mm-hmm. and I absolutely love these guys so much. And I actually created a gatekeeper character of my own, who is who uses the Leviathan axe from God of War. Oh, that's cool! And how it looks, it's a fire axe with Nordic runes all inscribed all over it. Uh huh. Oh. That's awesome as hell. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's that's really interesting. So, with with characters as a player, you because this is a powered by the apocalypse game. Of course, you have moves, and there is a basic set of player moves in this game, right? Yes, there is, and it's very simple. Again, they're all two d six rolls, and then what you'll do, like I said earlier, is instead of like having the set stat from all the other games that you would just add onto it, you look at your themes, and then you decide I want to try to use this, this, and this to try because I believe these can apply to what I'm trying to do. So, say you mm-hmm. had like four power attacks that you want to use, you would add to your roll plus four, unless mm-hmm. the MC decides to add a weakness tag, you would just add plus three. So, absolutely. <clears throat> Trying to get to the moves here really quick. So there's kind of different sorts of moves. So the core moves that we have, the first one we'll talk about is you have, hold on if I'm hitting the right pages here. (laughs) So even if you roll flat, there is a rule that you will get at least a minimum of one of anything, at least. Mm -hmm. So if you were, so... On, so basically how the rules work, it's basically the same as most of Power by the Apocalypse games. Anything six or lower is a anything six or lower is a fail. Mm-hmm. Seven through nine, it's a mixed success. So you do the thing, but there's gonna be a complication. Mm-hmm. Ten or higher, you do the thing. And then if you get the improvements to where if you get twelve or higher, it's a dynamite move, and there's extra things that you can do with some mm-hmm. of the moves. So we'll start with the first one, is called change the game. Now, when you change the game, you are doing something to either give yourself the upper hand or you're changing something around you to give yourself the advantage. So say like you had like a, let me think here, like you want to get a sword that you Mm -hmm. want to be able to use for an upcoming fight. You have to roll change the game to try to get that sword. Mm -hmm. And then depending on how high you roll, you get so many juice equal to the power, which is how many tags you rolled to it. And then you can try to create that story however you see fit. And then you have the convince move. And this is basically, yeah, you're trying to convince someone or something to do what you want or to look the other way. Mm-hmm. And so how you roll, that varies. The, sec- the next okay. one we have is face danger. And this is more like your dodge counter ability to where if you were to fight and you got a mixed success on a fighting thing, you then have the op- you usually will have the option to roll face danger so that way you don't get hit by an enemy's stat. And I'll go into that here in a little bit as I go into some of these other moves. Because mm-hmm. now we go into go toe to toe. This <laughs> one is for if you and the enemy are just like about to get deadlocked onto each other. Like 
he sees you coming, you see him coming, and you're about to just brawl. Mm-hmm. And what you do, yeah, again, you roll, and then you get to pick one or two depending on your success. So one of the options on Gototo is you get them good, giving your opponent a status with tier equal to power. So how uh, damaging works is you don't have HP, you get statuses. Mm-hmm. And you can get you can get them up to status. So basically, status, I, if you were to think of like how death saving rules work in D&D, status 5 is when you're doing the rules. Status 6 is you're dead or something crazy happens mm-hmm. that completely changes you entirely. It's, it's at the MC's discretion of what happens. Mm-hmm. And so, and how they're supposed to work in City Mist is you have like little pip counters as well. So every time, so if you're out of one status and you get hit, like by like a two status, you go up to the two and then the two has one pip and then kind of so on and so forth. I necessarily don't like that because I think trying to keep track of how many pips a status has is too much. So -hmm. what I do is I stack the statuses. Like you have to get two one statuses before you get to that two status. So let's say you have like a one, a two, and a three status. The three Mm -hmm. status, the highest status is the only one that the MC can use against you if it applies. But if you got like a one status, that would bump it up to two, add the two together to make that a three, and now that those two threes make it up to a four status. I think at one point that at one point I think that was how they had set it up, but at some point it changed, and I don't know why. So, but <laughs> again, it's all MC's discretion. If that if you want to do it how it's rules written, it's perfectly fine. I just like doing it this way because what I remember it being taught that way. Mm-hmm. So, with the statuses, is it something like? Is it specific, like, oh, you were knocked down, or maybe you're frightened or anything like that, or is it more general? So, stasis can be positive or negative, mental or physical. Okay. So, you could have a positive status of, like, your, if your buddy did change the game role and he empowered you with, like, part of the elixir of life or something, you have a, can get, like, a plus two status to add to your next role for how many roles. Or, mm-hmm. say, like, like, for example, with the Banshee, th- that cry from the Banshee can, like, put you in a state of fright. And now you're just frozen in place and you're not sure what to do next. Interesting. And and the and the MC can use that against you? Yes, to any roles that apply to it. Like I can't like if you like if you have like a cut three status and you're trying to do like something physical, you're gonna start off with negative three to that role. Interesting. Okay, I like that. I like that a lot. Cause that, that reminds me of conditions in some of the other powered by the apocalypse games. Um, and I always find those to be insanely interesting. Yeah. Going on with some of the other moves, we have a hit with all you got. Now, this is when basically it's like you're a sniper up on a roof and you got the clear shot and you're ready to take it kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Like this enemy's distracted or he's like weakened and you are ready to just end this guy. Instead of having to choose the option to get the stats, you automatically give this guy a status. Like I had, so one of my other favorite one shots I did was I did a Thanksgiving special where I did clue but i threw in the thanks killing turkey <laughs> it's like and if you haven't seen that movie it's a b-horror movie about this uh pilgrimage age thanks kill killer turkey that comes back to life in modern day and i that threw is- him into this game and what they did was i had a because they it's one of those things where it's like if someone says something so much you make it happen in the game <laughs> they kept joking about the butler betraying them so i had the butler betray them of course and then they and then I had him set up to do a hit with all you got because one of the so what they did was my players took pre-generated characters and they reskinned them. Mm-hmm. So I had one that uh, reskinned uh, uh, the char- the pre-generated character Bassy, who is the rift of 
I forget. She's the Egyptian goddess of cats. I forget what her name is. I think it's like Basset is the Egyptian goddess of cats, I think. And so she had this really Garfield-sized tubby that could turn into like a lioness. That's so cool. And she, and she and this character was uh set it up to where the lioness was able to sneak up around, and then right before the butler was about to shoot one of the characters, the lioness leaped from the shadows and ripped off the character's arm. Fuck yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> no, that is so that is so good. Oh man. Yeah, oh, that, I like I like those kinds of moves where it's like, you know, go all out, just like freaking kick ass. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and so basically, and of course, like it doesn't always have to be like that extreme. It just depends on what you're trying to do and what the mm-hmm. MC allows. And I'm usually very open with what happens in my games, unless you specifically tell me, hey, I would prefer like this not happen or something. Cause I'm all about the creative mind of player of players and characters. I don't want anyone mm-hmm. to hold back for any reason whatsoever. It's like mm-hmm. so. If you want to take a care, if you want to take Superman from the comic books, make him a character for say a mist. You go for it if you can make it work with the themes. So yeah, like oh, another cool. character. I like that a lot. Like an enemy NPC I have is a army general that's going to be the Rift of General Zod is an idea I have too. So mm-hmm. just all so much creativity. This is a very like I mean. It, it reminds me of fate in those aspects where it's it is so open. You have a lot of creative freedom with just more of the structure of the powered by the apocalypse, which I really, really like. This is super, super cool. Yeah, so I'll just kind of rush through these last three really quick because they're very kind of simple to explain. Investigate mm-hmm. is basically you're trying to investigate what's going on and you get clues equal to power. And depending on how you roll, they're either fuzzy clues or you just get the clues outright. Interesting. Uh, I like that. Sn- Sneak around is like, yeah, you're trying to be deceptive or sneaky, and you roll for that, and either it works or it works with a complication. Mm-hmm. And you have take the risk, which is you're doing something just absolutely stupid. Like you're trying to jump, like, like say you're trying to jump from like a 10 story building onto the street below to catch an enemy mm-hmm. kind of deal. And then kind of the go into it like, work. <laughs> it's so stupid that it just might work. Exactly. Oh, and then really quick, just kind of covering the uh, dynamite move. Like I said, if you get a 12 or higher, you get to pick like either extra options or an extra effect happens. So like on hit with all you got, if you get a 12 or higher, you have all these other options you can pick one from as well. So like for outstanding hit, instead of picking the original two options, you can pick three Mm -hmm. or you can do extreme collateral damage. Everything and everyone around the target takes a status similar to the main status with a tier equal to power. If this includes Ooh. you, this includes you or any allies if you are nearby. So basically, this is if you decide to Hulk out and you don't care about what happens to everyone else. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And then it's really cool though. I like I like those options. It keeps it like once you get to that point of having the dy- dynamite moves, that keeps it very interesting. Lots of different options of what could happen. Yeah, and then. I just somehow noticed this. I can't believe I never noticed it before. There is moves that are considered diceless moves where it's like you have a condition you have to meet and what the outcome mm-hmm. will be if you do or don't do it. So mm-hmm. I, I've i never noticed that before. I'm so surprised at that. So, <laughs> but I mean, that was, <laughs> well, it is something I've done before. Like when, when I had them meet the, the Vodnoy, which is what the Russian demon toad is called. Uh, that basically was a move where the guy, if you want to become an avatar, yeah, he had to sacrifice this last theme for it. And then you'll also have perfectly named there's cinematic moves. Cause again, this is supposed to be treated like a mystery noir type game. Absolutely. So, so part of a fun thing that 
everyone can do after like the first session is there is a voiceover monologue. So one player goes into a monologue as their character, and it's kind of like a recap with their thoughts and things of what happened in the last session. That's so good. That is so good. I and love I'll, that. And I kind of homebrew to where it's like if it's like a really good like voice monologue, they'll get like a bonus of some sort. Absolutely, um, I would. That is. I I might have to bring that into a game or something uh, like any of the games that I play, because that is so very interesting and like rewarding that and rewarding kind of the role play, getting into your character. All of that is yeah perfect. Oh, that's really cool. I like that a lot. That is really awesome. Sorry. Continue. I mean- <laughs> You're fine. You also have the flashback move, which is like. You describe an action carried out by your character in the past and make a move for that action, and the outcome of the move affects the current scene. Oh, I like that a lot, too. Now, I know, so it's weird how flashback works, because a lot of people, when you listen to them, they say you have to roll change the game for it, but it does not say you have to roll change the game. You either will gain a juice or a clue right off the bat, and you, but you can only use the flashback move once per session. Mm, but there okay, are, like, again, there are theme improvements that can allow you to do it, like, like once a scene. Because mm-hmm. when you change different locations, it's called changing scenes. Mm-hmm. And you and actually this kind of ties back to power tags and character tags. When you're doing your roles for your power tags with your weakness tags, you can't do the same power tags twice in a row for like the same move. Mm-hmm. So like if you, you so like if you like threw a fireball and you use some power tags to throw a fireball, you can't use those same power tags to cast a fireball again during that fight. You would have to use something different or think of something creative kind of deal. So there there is a limit to how much you can do. You are allowed like one main broad power tag that you can use for almost anything, but the rest of your power tags really do have to be descriptive with what your character can do. Oh, I like that a lot. It, again, it at least for me, um, I guess I should ask, it probably you have, you've played D&D. I've actually, Actually, I never have, but I have read. I've listened to a lot of D and D podcasts, and I read. And I actually am reading through modules because I do oh. plan to run some of them myself. So I uh, know I'm familiar with it. Yes, <laughs> I think you are the first person I've come across who have who has not played D and D and who are like into other TTRPGs. At least that I've talked to. That's very interesting. So, um what I was going to say is when at least in my personal experiences, I have played D&D in situations where you are in combat and people will use the same thing over and over again such as oh, I'm just going to attack, I'm just going to attack like on every turn. I like what they I like that part of City of Mist because it keeps things interesting and it keeps players trying to think of different things they can do and different ways they could use let's say the environment their other tags all of that to always keep things interesting instead of just defaulting to the same thing over and over again i like that a lot yeah well so first thing because what you said made me think of this was when i first started making this podcast i got e- i got immediately thrown into the D podcasters side of social <laughs> media so a lot of the people i started connecting with were like D podcasters and that's mm-hmm. how and then when they saw, oh, I'm doing this TTRPG instead, they're like, everyone's like, oh, what's that? And that's how I've got all these different uh, one shots with D&D podcasters that I've been doing now. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. And then, um, but even with, I would say even with D&D, like you still like have some sort of limit on like how many times you can use like a cantrip or a spell or something. This one well, just kind of. No, spell yes. 
I think so. I think there's are some cantrips that say you can only do this so many times, but I think yeah, for the most part, most cantrips you can use repeatedly. Mm-hmm. But so when it comes to combat in a city of mist, there's no turn order. So it's kind of because this is because City of Mist, like most Power of the Apocalypse games, is more focused on the role playing aspect of the game. So mm-hmm. basically, it for me, it's just like you're now in the fight. Who wants to make the first move? Because what I'll do <laughs> is, unless they do something to make the NPC attack first, I'll let everyone else have at least have one turn first before I make my NPC enemy do something back. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. And so, and then kind of going back, another move that's cinematic is we have the montage. And this is like if you're trying to prepare for something or your characters just want to take a break, they have all these different moves they can do during that downtime. Like they can get mm-hmm. attention on their mythos or the logos theme. They can get three clues to work a case they're doing. They can prepare for the next activity or they can recover and like remove stasis or regain the lost power tax that they had to burn for anything. Oh, I like that. And then downtime should be put in more games because there is usually a lot of downtime between like sessions, especially if it's like big cases and it's like, oh, a month before the next one. That's I like that a lot. That's cool. Yeah. And then this one's my favorite one. There is a mechanic for after the game is and it's called geeking out during the credits. (laughs) And basically at the end of the session, when the credits roll, as it calls it, you go around the table and each player can answer one or more of the following questions. And they, there's three main questions. They don't have to answer all three, but they can if they f- see fit. The first question they can ask, they can answer during the geek out during the credits move is, how's the crew grown this session? And this affects how your crew theme will like get better or get worse during the session. So you can mm-hmm. recover a burnt power tag or mark an attention to level up that crew theme. And Ooh. then... The second part, and this really goes more into like the character aspect of it, is which character has the most meaningful interaction with your character this session. You can either add a help or a hurt point next to their name depending on the character card. So you can gain more help and hurt points on characters depending on how you interacted with each other during the game. Oh, I like that. Then the final one is which of your themes is under the most strain? If it collapses, what new aspect will show up in its place? So mm-hmm. on the back of those themes is usually a separate section where you can take notes about like how your themes improving or what would happen if it collapses. Mm-hmm. And so this is basically to say, what do you think would happen on the flip side if your theme collapses and you just write all, this is just notes you're taking down. So you're kind of thinking ahead of time. If you lose this theme, what's going to happen? And every, I know I do this sometimes. I think if you were constantly been, if you've been constantly fighting against your like mythos, like during that whole session, I will make you take a crack on it mm-hmm. to be like, oh, you think it's going to collapse? Take a crack on it then. And then yeah, to they, actually show that things are happening. Yeah, exactly. That is so cool. I like that a lot. There, this game is so focused on the narrative, the role play, and like just changing all the time, which I find incredibly interesting because in a lot of TTRPGs, it's not normal to like change playbooks or change classes or like kind of change your core abilities or anything often within the game. So I find it incredibly interesting that that is like built in. Yeah, like I said, when I was looking, especially I noticed I noticed it for the first time when I was actually reading through Thirsty Sword Lesbians because you got me in looking into that when you were talking about <laughs> it for your first episode because I've been trying to binge those, listening to all of them now. <laughs> so, yeah, but when I was looking through that and then looking through Apocalypse World, and I still got to get Monster of the Week when I'm like, oh, wait, these are set stats. Whereas mm-hmm. with City of Mist, 
I choose what to use to add to the role instead of this playbook telling me, oh, I have to add this to the role. Yeah, it's it's very, very interesting um, how different Powered by the Apocalypse games changes it up. Um, Because that's where it does remind me a bit more of Fate, because in Fate, you essentially use like your aspects of your character and you can leverage essentially, you can have like maybe two aspects that your character has or and you can use an aspect that's a part of the environment and all of that and then add those to your role. So it reminds me a lot more of Fate in that way, which I find very interesting. But yeah, that is true. A lot of Powered by the Apocalypse games has those stat- set stats. The best you can do is if you level up enough times, you can change your playbook. But that's really... And I mean, I, I always play in a way of like, if we are playing, you find whatever you are playing as, whether it's a playbook class, whatever, to be boring, I'm okay with you switching it up. We can find like an in-game reason for it, but I'm okay with switching it up. This makes it seem like you're never going to come across that problem. Because if a person's going to start, you know, fading away and not liking a certain play style, let's say they don't really want to be super, they don't want to be the, like, social, like, do all the negotiations, deals, and stuff like that, and that's how they built their character, they can start to shy away from that, and the game will actually help you build a character, like, help replace that into something that you will actually like to play more. Yeah, so I just that just made me remember there is one move I completely forgot to talk about. And let me see if I can find it here a second. So there's a section for moment of truth. And it's this is more about like what when that when the character hits like the climax, what's going on, how do they change? Mm-hmm. There is a move called stop holding back. And basically, Ooh. this is when you want to do something that's either going to go against, you want a one-shot, or you're just going all out with <clears throat> your mythos. Mm-hmm. And so, but here's what you do. You don't roll with the power tags. You roll with how many Logos themes you have. Because the idea is when you're doing this ultimate move, you are trying to hold on to what little humanity you still have left in you. Because there, because there's three different levels of stop holding backs. And, like, you can lose part of yourself in the process if you don't roll high enough. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, no. That's so cool. (laughs) So, kind of spoiler alert, because this part's not out yet, but I love this. It explains it so much. So, in my – it's going to be in the third part of my – of Lies and Leprechauns one shot. Mm -hmm. One of the characters basically had, like, no combat abilities whatsoever or themes that he could use. And so, he had no clue how he was going to help. So what he decided to do, he was going to expel part of his logos out of him to bring in this mythos that could basically help him with fighting. So what I did was, so the only way that you can truly replace a mythos is you have to do an ultimate stop holding back. And and that's where if you got 10 or higher, you lose that theme. Mm-hmm. Just because that was the only way he would be able to do it successfully without like losing. But if he failed, oh, that mythos could have done so much damage to him. And he got exactly a 10. Uh. <laughs> oh, it's that's like, amazing. It's like the meme where it's like that kid in the glasses, everyone's just like, oh. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love when those types of rolls happen at the table. Oh, that's amazing. That is so cool. Actually, Again, this reminds me, and you might want to look into these if you like these, uh, like kind of the 
I don't know if it's in one of them, but I know it's in one uh, in the other. Uh, that, like, the stop holding back reminds me so much of moves that are in Apocalypse Keys and Masks the New Generation, which are both powered by the Apocalypse games. And they both have those moves where you go fully out. Like, you, you do not hold back. You, like, you show great feats and dangerous power and stuff like that. Like, it can be explosive. It is, it is frightening. Yeah. And I actually got so cool. masked. I got masked recently because another podcast I listened to, they were doing a modern-day superhero podcast. They were using D&D originally for it. But because of the quote-unquote wonderful company that Watsi is do- is being coming, <laughs> they are moving away from it once they're de- doing finishing the current arc, and they're moving on to masks it's for their game. game. So, yeah. It's so a shout really out. Good game. <laughs> so shout out to Callus Casters is their name. So everyone check them out if you want. So yes, absolutely. And then I'm trying to think of oh, you just made me like, and I got the uh, the glitter hearts big from your recommendation of that mm-hmm. and i think evil hat is about to release another magic girl ttrpg called i think it's like girls it's in the like moonlight moon- i believe it's called. yeah moonlight something like that oh but- it's i'm so on the edge i'm like do i want to get it it's forged in the dark not powered by the apocalypse so it is a different system ah. it, it's got different like the it uh forged in the dark works well in like teamwork and like creating essentially like a team which that's very that works really well in a magical girl type setting because it's usually like a group of, and it looks really good. And I've looked at some of the not play test, but like the beta versions of it. And I'm like, Oh, it looks so interesting, but I have not, I am not yet convinced if I'm going to get it, but I probably might, but it also looks really good. (laughs) So just because I wanted to share this. So city of mist is created by a company called son of Oak studios. And they've actually on top of city Mist, have made two other games. Uh, I don't think I have them pulled up on my computer, but you can always look them up. So the first one they did was done after they made it. It's called Queers. It's with a Z and an exclamation point. And what the uh, Super Sentai with the but centered around like the LGBTQ LGBTQIA plus uh, aspect to it. Whereas you're these kind of you have all these powers, and then you're fighting the ignorant as the as the enemies are called in this game. And it's set, it's set up basically the same way with the powers and weakness tags that you can use as well. And then they're they're currently in the process of creating another game called Otherscape, which is City of Mist, but futuristic and cyberpunk. And it introduces the aspect of there's noise, tech, and flesh are the three main theme types. So the tech is like the cybernetics that you can add to yourself. The noise is like the mythos, and then the flesh is your logos and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's really cool. I like when companies, pr- like, I like when a good, like, publishing company produces, like, a bunch of really good games. So you're like, all right, I just know I'm going to get the next one when it comes out because <laughs> I already know it's going to be great. Yeah, I was a backer for the Otherscape Kickstarter myself, and they're slowly been working on that. And then they're just now releasing all the different parts for the Queers one. So, because mm-hmm. pe- there's actually a separate Discord for that, and they've all been really excited for like the character creation stuff. Because my character idea was I want to be like create like the six ranger, and he has like because I identify as demisexual, so he like like the colors of like the demisexual flag on him. Mm-hmm. So it's like so it's the purple, the gray, the black, and the silver. Oh, that's so cool! Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah, oh, that's think awesome. think like the Titanium <laughs> Ranger from Lightspeed Rescue, but the demisexual colored flags. 
<laughs> That's awesome. I, man, TTRPGs are great. Actually, I have a quick question. So you said you, you've never played uh, D&D. Was City of Mist your first TTRPG? Yes, it actually was. So my story um, with that is, so this was like the height of the pandemic. It, like, of course, I've heard Dungeons and Dragons. I've been familiar with Critical mm-hmm. Role, but I never was like into that enough to like listen to it. Mm-hmm. Well, I was attending a technical school at the time, and I started. I have this group follow me, and they're called Odd Loot, and they're the guys that do the Rolling in the Mist podcast series. Mm-hmm. They followed me on my music page. I then I checked them out through that, and from the first episode, let's do. I was just hooked on the show, like oh, so cool. I. I call it one of those podcasts. It's one of the it's one of the few that has the replay value because I've listened to every episode at least two or three times, mm-hmm. and I just enjoy it and laugh my butt off every single time. <laughs> and so they are, they're what inspired me to pick up the game. And again, it took two years for me to learn that. My first, I would say, my first introduction into D anD D was Critical Role's Calamity, ran by Brendan Lee Mulligan. Oh, I've heard such good things. <laughs> oh, I was so hooked on Calamity. Because especially that style that Brendan Lee Mulligan has with the narrative and the descriptions, mm-hmm. that's how I feel my style is like more towards. So Rolling in the Mist was what inspired me to get City of Mist. Calamity was what inspired me to start making my own podcast. That's amazing. Oh, that's so cool. I think City of Mist is such an insanely interesting uh, TTRPG to be your first one. I think that's so cool. And I'm I'm so happy that other games are getting more spotlight and there are more podcasts that are covering other games because it's just opening up the opportunity that people don't have to just play D&D or don't have to just play Pathfinder or whatever like the biggest ones are there are so many other options and they are all amazing and great <laughs> so awesome that you have started a podcast for it because that's just going to make even more people want to check it out so that's amazing yeah, and um, City of Mist also just finished another Kickstarter for another expansion called Local Legends, where it adds districts to mm-hmm. the city, and there's also going to be more pre-generated characters that will come out with that as well. So it's like a pre-generated character from each district. Like, you act- you actually have Atlantis as one of the districts, oh, and in, cool. it- in Atlantis, this is basically where your mythos, like, fully comes out, but you're still in control, and you're like, this is where you, like, go to power up and get stronger. And then you have... um. There's my one of my favorite ones is there's one called Independence and this is like the poverty stricken city that's like fighting the corrupt police officers and the char- main character NPC in there is a girl that's the rift of Harriet Tubman. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and so there's all these and all the pre-generated characters that Seamus have released is so cool. Like you have, like I said, there's Bassy who's the jazz singer with the rift of Bass of the Egyptian goddess Bassett. There's a there's a uh Thief with a Heart of Gold, who's the rift of the Aztec god Talak, so rain and thunder. You mm-hmm. have Sarlet, who's the rift of Little Red Riding Hood, and is basically a monster hunter, because she can just oh, conjure weapons out of thin air out of her hood. You have an undead assassin named Postmortem. <laughs> and then, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, there's a high school student that's the rift of Kitsune. So mm-hmm. she has all this good luck stuff. And then my favorite one was, if you listen to the one shot I did with the Swords and Sky Mommies podcast, they're an all-female ran group, and they gave me the privilege of running a one-shot for them because I've been such a big fan of their show. One of them played a – he's an investigative reporter named Lance Sullivan, who's the Rift of Don Quixote. These are so cool. They're like, 
The characters sound so wild, but in the best and coolest way possible. That is amazing. Oh, I love that so much. Actually, though, I have a question. Yes. Um, kind of related to that. With starting to play um, City of Mist, how do they have... Do they have good online reference tools that are like, you know, explain the different moves, stuff like that? Do they have good online reference tools for players and uh, the MC? Yes, they do. If you go to, I think it's just, if you just type it City Mist on Google, the site's right there. There is a downloads mm-hmm. page where you can download just like basic cheat sheets of like your MC moves and your players' moves. And again, you can download the Quick Start Guide. They're actually, they also have available a starter set pack which is like kind of like your very if you're running your very first like game it's got a base it's got pre-generated characters you can play as like one of them is a pastor that's the rift of job from the bible and he can't die <laughs> it's so interesting yeah and, and so and it gives you like a rundown of okay here's how the players can play here's what the mc does and it's got like a pre-built like adventure already built into it where you're having to Oh, there's this weird murder that happened on the street, but then there's all this mystery surrounding it, and it goes just deep dives. Because what City Mist does, it uses a method called the iceberg method, mm-hmm. where there's something at the top that happens, but then as you dive down into the depths, there's all this other stuff that happens. That is insanely cool and works so well for investigation type game. But that's that's great that they have great reference tools, uh, great resources. Because that's one of my favorite things about Powered by the Apocalypse games. It seems like pretty much every single one has the best reference tools. Where it's like, I've, I've literally, the group that I play Monster of the Week with has only played D&D before that. And I, I'm, I'm the only one who actually read the book and I'm the one running the game. All that they got were their playbooks and the resource tools that explain the mo- moves and, and other important mechanics. And they have completely learned and picked up the game just from like four sheets of paper yeah so another, so good so another thing i want to throw out there really quick is this just shows how great of a company son of oak studios is is so from their website you can access to something in drive through rpg called the city of mist garage mm-hmm. and what this does is basically this is all homebrew character or a case creation stuff done by the community of city of mist so oh, everything so cool. in there they're cases that people have made there's characters people have made different themes and all that and they will actually provide like the templates for like all Mm -hmm. that different stuff so that way you can download that for no charge and if you have the software you can make it release it for how if for either free or how much you want to charge as long as you meet like all the guidelines for and you're not like stealing people's art to use for anything like i one case i took off is called the stretch lives and basically think of if think of bendy and the ink machine where mm-hmm. it's a cartoon it's a person it's a cartoon person killing exec the cartoon uh, corporation executives mm-hmm. and you have to figure out oh what's going on how do we stop this kind of deal the creativity oh, so that some of these people have like someone made an avatar of peter pan and this person is going around trying to collect his new lost boys oh that's awesome oh man i have to check these out that is I love, again, resources, just community resources, resources from the publishers, all of that. That is so, so important and so good. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's just just the amount of characters I've made just doing this. Like my very, I remember my, my very first character I made, it was a street preacher, and he had the combination of both Ghost Rider and the uh, 
the guy from the preacher TV show with the voice of God uh, power mm-hmm. that he has. He was a combination of both of those. That is so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's awesome. So I think we are getting there's still a few more things that I'd like to um, cover and ask you, uh, but I think we're starting to get a, closer to the end at this point. I want to start out with this is getting more into kind of the MC type area. But first, I want to ask, why do you love City of Mist? Oh. God, just from the storytelling aspect, the character creation in its own, just being so such an easy and not as complex system to be able just to dive into and introduce people to. But if I think if I chose one, just the storytelling aspect of it alone is what really got me hooked onto this game. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, not just the modules, like the stories that I've homebrewed, like I did a the I did a Halloween special where they played as trick or treaters finding old school horror movie monsters that were like a teenage punk gang. That's I so had cool. I had the humanoid turkey that was made into a clue mystery. I had another story where it's a father and son duo fighting the rift of Krampus for the Christmas special. <laughs> and then the Swords and Sky Mommy one that I did was uh they were hired by the Avatar of Queen Cleopatra to eliminate the corrupt police chief. corrupt police chief that was the rift of caesar oh wow that's cool absolutely oh no i mean i can just tell you have such an insanely fun time creating these stories just from the ones that you've mentioned the characters and npcs that you've mentioned i i get exactly what you mean that is it seems to click just right with you which is amazing and it's funny you bring up the MC toolkit part of it because I'll be perfectly honest, I have barely cracked that book open. I, excuse my French, I literally just mainly pull everything out of my ass as I'm running these games. <laughs> Most of, I have the idea of how I'm going to start it, the rough estimate of how it will end, and then it's the characters, the dice, and what's coming out of my butt, basically, for the most part. Honestly, that's all you need. When you start playing these more narrative-heavy games where the rules are light enough and it's not worrying about every little mechanic it opens it up that you can just have because that's how i structure my monster of the week games i'm like here's how it's going to start here's how the session's going to start here's a rough end uh that's even how i like create the arcs for my mom monster of the weekend games it's like here's how it starts here's basic things that they can figure out and then here's like when the monster gets bad and then whatever characters do is what happens and how the story actually progresses, but I don't plan for that. It is po- it is pure like improv, just like playing along with what your characters do, playing along with just hap- what happens in the story, being open to that. It's this is what powered by the apocalypse games and very heavy narrative games do best at. So if you love that kind of play style, absolutely, you should play City of Mist, powered by the apocalypse, Fate, <laughs> so many. <laughs> So I'll go into this just as quick as I can because this also ties into what we're discussing. Is So, spoiler if you have not listened to my Demons Across End series, in the final boss battle against the Staghead Demon, which is basically a plant built, which is basically like a plant version of the Wendigo in a sense with a demon skull, with a deer skull head. Oh, that's cool. Basically, the only way they could kill him is by some holy powers. Neither of the characters had holy powers, and they locked away the only person that had holy powers to begin with. Interesting. In the, in the game. 
So <laughs> what somewhat what one of the players did was because they were just going all out and just barely doing any damage to this demon. One of the characters picked up because he was trapped under a church and in the process of escaping, destroyed the church. The character picked up a piece of the church rock and then asked that character, would the church still be consecrated? Still be considered as concentrated holy ground? And me not even thinking, be like, it was trapped there, so yes, it would. Okay, I'm going to slingshot it into the demon. And that worked. And then the other character, who had dream-bending reality powers, who had made himself into a giant, picks up the last of the remaining church and crushes the demon with it. That is, that is so funny. That is so and of all the endings I had planned for it, that wasn't the one I was expecting. <laughs> I love these games. That is what I love. That that right there. Exactly that. That is so good. It's like, as in words of one of my, my player's character, take holy power, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I love hearing stories from people's games so much. Yeah. <laughs> this makes me so happy. <laughs> But that's why I was really looking forward to this because I just all this stuff that I have and how much I just love sharing about City of Mist and what you can do with it. Mm-hmm. Just I love just having this opportunity to just be like, boom, here's all this stuff. <laughs> Play the game. It's so good. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's that's why that's a big reason why I started the podcast was I want I do want people to be introduced to these amazing games that are out there from and like people who love them to talk about them and that being the first kind of impression because when you hear someone talk about a game that they love at least for me I can't help but to want to play it because I want to see what will happen I want to see what my group my normal group would would come up with in this game I want to see you know what kind of stories I can try what kind of you know scenarios that will happen and how I like the rule set like all of those things run through my mind as soon as I hear about a game and especially hearing from someone who loves the game so much, even more that drive to play increases. So I absolutely love that you love this game. And I love that you were um, able to come on and talk about it because I mean, I have had a great time. I am again, I, I, I say this almost every episode. I don't know if there's been an episode that I haven't. I need to play City of Mist now. I did before, but I even more do now, especially with just the investigation. And I want to see what my players come up with when it comes to creating their own mythos. So, yeah. I mean, thank you for, for talking about it because this is great. No problem. I honestly, and this is just my opinion, I honestly believe with how everything that's been going on in the TTRPG communities, I feel like Power by the Apocalypse games are basically becoming the way to go, or at least games with like that less complexity, more narrative system. Mm-hmm. Just because, not just because of the L's WotC have been gaining, but just because I feel like even though Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinders, they are good games in their own right for those who love them. I will still listen to people who play those games. I will sit in on the game if it's ever one available. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with everything that's been going on, I just feel like people want more of the narrative side of a story than just, oh, it's going to take us 30 minutes to fight one battle against like a group of bandits. Yeah. They don't, they don't want war games. I mean like, or I shouldn't say war games. Uh, They, Warhammer people do. Yeah. (laughs) Warhammer people, but, but you play Warhammer for that reason. You play Warhammer for the specific experience. And I think a lot of people, because D and D is the biggest, you know, game, uh, they think this is what role-playing games are supposed to be. 
And D&D is good in its own way. It has its strengths. It's ha- it has its weaknesses, just like any other game. But people are craving for those narrative games, heavy role play, collaboration, storytelling, all of that. That D&D, just with how the system is built, you can do it. It's just you're going to be fighting against mechanics and, and a million other things that are in the game itself. So I absolutely agree. I think if, if not powered by the apocalypse... It, it's going to be something, something with a lighter rule set that's going to not take over because I think D and D still going to have its its own spot in the TTRPG community as one of the biggest games. But it's going something like Powered by the Apocalypse, Forged in the Dark, even something like Fate or a, or a generic type role playing system is going to start to rise up as people are moving away from D and D, and that makes me extremely excited. Yeah, I follow a lot of independent like creators out there, and there's another one that I kickstarted. They're called Realms of El Groon. And what they do was they basically create a simplified D20 system where you're not really having the like you do your initiative rules, your other rules for everything, your checks and all that. But when it comes to combat, it's fast paced as you're not it's like this item does this much damage, or mm-hmm. you're it's like you and your enemy roll and whoever's the highest attacks the other or defends themselves from the attack kind of deal. So yeah, honestly, I I I've I have like I think three or so games on my shelf that are a simplified D twenty system, and I absolutely I absolutely love them because I mean it it it's that familiarity that you have with D anD D if you already know it, but way easier to run. I mean, uh, Morkborg I think is even like a simplified D twenty system. Uh, Into the Odd, uh, Dead uh, Death in Space, like. I think that's also a very, very um, possible direction that the TTRPG community is going to go as well with just simplified D20 systems, which I also enjoy. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. No. Just a shout out really quick because it is kind of part of who I am. So I recently became a creative partner in independent company, Vindicated Entertainment. Ooh. And this was a guy. He creates board games, card games, TTRPGs. He makes them. This is part of his passion. It's what he does. And it inspires by a lot of like anime and stuff because he creates some games around that as well a little bit without like going to the copyright infringement and all that kind of sort of deal. And <laughs> he created a card game called Spell Slingers and WotC came after him for it. Big time. And he could, of course, he's just an independent guy. He can't pay for it. So he just had what he had and they're all sold out now. So he can't sell it anymore. Mm-hmm. But because of this, what he did, he has a game called other worlds and he made a 5e conversion document so if you were to play so you could convert your D game to the other world system oh that's and basically great. especially after what they did to the the guy who did the magic the gathering youtube video that was kind of that was kind of like my straw breaking the camel's back moment for me so i'm mm-hmm. taking these D modules i'm converting them to other worlds it's kind of like my big two middle fingers up to the company so <laughs> I mean, it works because I think there are some really interesting stories. Just play them in systems that work better for you. That's why, I like, for me, I I don't I don't mind and I don't care if someone sticks with D anD D fifth edition, especially if they already have the books, they're already playing it. That's the game they enjoy. Go ahead. But there, I know there's a lot of people that have other play styles that other games would do would help you achieve so much better, and that's what I like to promote. I promote searching and looking for games that are going to give you the exact experience and the exact type of play that you are going to enjoy and love. 
Yeah, don't blame the pe- don't blame the people who enjoy the game. Blame the company that's causing all the drama that just happens to own it is what I say. Exactly. So. <laughs> um, absolutely. But I mean, you know, mini rant about D and D and games aside. <laughs> um, do you have any advice for first time MCs of City of Mist? Hmm, I would say hmm, it's kind of one that I always stick with is just have fun with it because you never know what you're going to expect. You never know what's going to happen. Like I'm so like I've played with both chaotic players and serious players on my show. <laughs> and I always stick with the fact that if the players aren't having fun with it, then I can't be having fun with it either. And it goes into kind of like that. If you need to change stuff up, and if it works well with the story, what you're trying to do, then make that change. I've mm-hmm. heard it. I've heard it happen where I'm rolling in the mist at, during the first season. A player didn't like how his character turned out because he w- didn't feel like he was using it well. So there was a. So he was able to, based on the story, things happened. The player got removed, and he was able to bring a new character that he enjoyed much more. So it's That's awesome. And, it's, and it was the same with like the uh, of Lies of Leprechauns uh, thing. The guy wasn't able to fight because he accidentally made him without any fighting abilities so I, so I was able to make the story work to where he could get the fighting abilities that he need as long Absolutely. if you're having fun with it it doesn't matter how you play by the rules homebrew rules whatever it is you're doing it right yes yes that's exactly that i i, I couldn't have said it better myself that i think is i mean i think that's the most important gm advice for any game that you could ever play but that's amazing I think I have about one more question before we end here. I got all the time in the world. I'm enjoying this still. So <laughs> The only reason I'm like, I'm starting to get really hungry and I'm like, mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. but other than I that, I am I having fun. Here, so. <laughs> See, that would be a smart choice. Um, that is sadly not the choice that I made. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I have one more question here. And it's when you started, I mean, you mentioned doing a lot of research before actually playing your first game or running your first game of City of Mist. Even with all that research, even if you were 100% prepared, what was the biggest hurdle that you had to go through with learning this game and running it? I think the biggest hurdle isn't, it's funny, it's not really with the game itself. It's trying to find people to play it, to play it for. Mm-hmm. Because... So I have a very set schedule for my work. So basically, my only days I have open are like Sundays and Mondays. Mm-hmm. And of course, the people in the Discord and in mostly TTRPG communities are all over the world. So scheduled conflicts and time zones are always the two biggest enemies of any TTRPG table. Of course. <laughs> online or in person. So that's always been my biggest struggle is, like, by Halloween one shot almost didn't happen because I f- did not realize, oh, I thought they were all American. No, we all live in Canada. So there's like a two-hour time difference. Oh, almost no. so that almost that one halloween one shot almost didn't happen because i didn't realize oh they're different time zone i need to figure this out really quick <laughs> fortunately we were able to make it happen but it's just trying to make all those time zones work like i've like like the guy both the two players in my demons across a one shot are both from the uk so it's like after working hours by the time it's like because we were we were playing from like noon to like two or three online mm-hmm. and so it's like after work hours already for them <laughs> compared to here so they were able to like okay we can hop on so that's kind of been my thing is and i wanted to originally be a player i didn't want to be an mc when i first got into city of mist but no one was running the games so i just became thanos and said fine i'll do it myself 
<laughs> Take it into your own hands. I mean, that's the, I, I mean, personally, I have seen that a lot where it's like, I have no one to play these games with. Really the best way to ensure that you can play any other TTRPG, and it kind of sucks, is, I mean, I shouldn't say it kind of sucks. I enjoy, I enjoy running games a lot, so I don't mind it too much, but you usually have to run the game. You can't, it's harder to convince a GM of, let's say, Dungeons and Dragons to switch to something else if they don't want to. It's, it's hard to usually find someone to play, to run a game for you of a different system. Uh, so it is really, it is so much easier to be, just be like, all right, you know, I'm going to run a game of definitely wizards. Whoever would like to play can play. And that's a great way to introduce people to the system, but it's, you know, it's a lot, it's, it's a definitely more tasking role to have to know all the rules, to have to run the game, all of that. But yeah, I, I agree. That's, that's definitely the, I mean, that's the biggest hurdle of any TTRPG, truly. Yeah, just because, like, I've been learning other TTRPGs too, because I didn't want to do just City of Mist. It started off as a just City of Mist podcast, but I've always wanted to do, like, other games Mm-hmm. to run on my show because like up com- like coming up towards the end of this month i'm going to be recording a bioshock one shot where that uh, sounds cool and i'm actually doing these the couple that i'm running it for they do a bioshock lore cast podcast and mm-hmm. i was on their episode just talking about how much i enjoyed because i love the games infinite was like my all-time favorite love the lore getting to learn all the different aspects of the game from them so i just got on with an episode there talked about that and now i'm going to be running a bioshock game for them and they're playing a couple trying to escape from rapture like in the first game oh that's so cool i've only played i haven't finished the first game but i've played the first game in bioshock the vibes alone of that game is so cool i want to get it again because they remastered it like a few years back the first one Mm -hmm. and the original version i had my computer before like that one crapped out was like one of the the old school version before they remastered it and the (laughs) system i'm using for that it's a rules light one called any and you only use six of the seven dice and that's Mm -hmm. treated as like your health and action counter so you have like all you have like so many chances to do something, and it's also it's more role play oriented as well. It gives people mm-hmm. characters more freedom to just do whatever they want. You don't have to roll for everything, but if it's like a very specific thing they're trying to do, yeah, you gotta roll for it. And all you have to get is like a four or higher to succeed. But once you roll that die, that die is considered spent, and you, mm-hmm. unless you take like a short rest or anything, you can't get that die back. That's that's cool. That actually sounds very interesting though for a a Bioshock game. I'm very curious to see that ha- how, how that goes for you. Um, <laughs> but that is actually, what is great is like a system like that, because I know that you've been doing some research into it. How difficult has that been to like learn? You're talking about um, City of Mist or the other ones I've been uh, looking a- up any. on? So I literally have the book. It's only like 12 pages. The major- And half <laughs> of them are just artwork pages. It is not that hard to learn. It is one that you could just apply any game or story to it, and you just go with it. Like, I'm going to work on a series, basically Anime Magic High School. (laughs) Set in modern day where it's like, and I actually have a story already built for it, where you you have these triplet goddesses. They help. They, their powers help make the world. One becomes corrupt. The other sacrifices herself to lock away the corrupt one. And now this last remaining goddess has to now divide her powers among like how many so the players are going to be, and they're all going to have special set effect magical powers that they have to fight against basically Feywild creatures from breaking into the modern world. Honestly, that also sounds like a really good game to run in something like Glitter Hearts. I feel like 
Like you could definitely yeah. flavor it in that way. That would be really cool. You could, but it's it's I'm I'm thinking of it more like it's not like they're gonna have like the magical girl transformation. Like they're like in like their like high school uniforms or whatever, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's a there's an army of goblins invading the city, and they just rush mm-hmm. out, and then they have like magic weapons, or they just start shooting spells out of their hands, kind of deal. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's really awesome. But yeah, I mean, like you know, biggest hurdle being finding people to play games. I absolutely agree. But yeah, I think though that's pretty much everything that I have. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and talking about City of Mist with me. This has been fantastic. I'm going to play the game at some point now. I need to. <laughs> I will be more than happy to run the game for you, whether we record it or not, because I know, especially since you got me into Thirsty Sword Lesbian, I really want to run that in you all since you talk about, I want someone to run it for me, so. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I'm always, I'm starting to look for more opportunities to start playing with some other people because I've stayed very... Uh, I've I've stayed in a very uh, small group of friends that I've played with for a long time, so I'm more than happy to start like going out out of the comfort zone comfort zone there and start playing with some new people so i would love that so much uh but i mean yeah thank you for for being awesome and coming on uh make sure uh everyone who is listening make sure to check out hunter's podcast uh mysteries unknown correct yes and it's a play on city of mist because it's mysteries with a i Mm -hmm. instead of the y at the beginning so mysteries unknown unknown it's Pretty much anywhere you can get listen to a podcast, it's there. Spotify, Apple, Amazon, uh, Good Pods, TuneIn, Pandora, you name it, it's probably <laughs> the there. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram. It's at Mist Unk Podcast, M-I-S-T-U-N-K Podcast. And you can also email me if you ever want to just want to reach out and talk, uh, mistunkpodcast at gmail.com. And then I also have a side account, another account. It's going to be for a sister show. So it's another podcast slash uh, TTRPG meme account, and it's called I Don't Know How to DM, and it's at IDK How to DM, because Perfect. basically the idea was I've never ran Dungeons and Dragons before to the extent, so this is a first time dungeon master running games for possibly new and old Dungeon and Dragons players. So that's Absolutely. the whole idea behind that one. That's so cool. Yes, please check those out because so so amazing, so many cool ideas. Um, plus, you have to, you have to, even if you heard the stories that Hunter shared and the some of the bigger moments that could be spoilers, still going to listen and hear the full experience and what exactly happened for that for the for these games. Please listen, please, please listen, please check out Hunter and the the Mysteries Unknown podcast. As of a couple uh, of days but- ago, it's considered a year's worth of content now. So. Yay! Congratulations! <laughs> yeah, I just did That's a fun awesome. little, I did a fun little reel on my thing because there was an audio going around and I just thought fit because this I don't do this because I'm not trying to get popular, make money of it. This was something mm-hmm. that I have a passion for, the storytelling aspect of it, and I just thought, why not share it with everyone? And so that's my main drive for why I'm still doing this and why I pushing for more projects to do. So that's amazing. I, that's the best way to do it. Just find something that you love and that is what and that's exactly the reason i do this podcast i love ttrpgs with every bone in my body it is one of my favorite things in the world and my family is annoyed with me talking about it (laughs) 
Yeah, like I said, I've been enjoying your podcast, and uh, I definitely want to get. The, I think it's Elastian Boogaloo now. That one really got my interest talking about that. Oh, Elastian <laughs> Bastion. Wait, Electric Bastion. <laughs> Electric Bastion. Yes. Sorry, I don't know why I got Boogaloo from. <laughs> But no, that one was another one that caught my interest too that I'm going to have to get at some point as well. So, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> sorry, that was so funny. Um, it's a really good one. Uh, it's actually if if you want to Electric Bastion Land um, is a bit harder to get. If you're looking for something that's very similar, Into the Odd is actually the first game that came out. Electric Bastion Land is kind of an expansion on that world. Um, still fantastic game but into the odd is also really really good uh but yeah <laughs> i could get sidetracked and talk about games all the time but yes thank you for for listening to this episode i really really hope that you enjoyed it and yeah one final thank you to you hunter thank you so much see you next time in the city of mist <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the RPG Goblin. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode, and thank you once again, Hunter, for coming on and talking about City of Mist with me. If you are still interested in learning more about City of Mist, I 100% recommend go getting the books itself from Sun and Oak Studios, who are the publishers of City of Mist. But if you want to know even more and you don't want to get the books quite yet, next episode is going to be a part two to City of Mist, where Hunter and I will be exploring the MC's Toolkit, aka the Master of Ceremonies Toolkit, which is for anyone who wants to run City of Mist itself. So if you want to actually run the game and know more about it, make sure to check out next episode, which will be coming out Friday, June 9th. And like I said, we will be exploring the Master of Ceremonies Toolkit. Again, thank you for listening to the RPG Goblin. If you have been enjoying this podcast so far, please leave a rating on wherever you listen to your podcast because it means the world to see the support and it keeps the podcast actually going. Uh, once again, make sure to follow Hunter at the Mysteries Unknown podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And please listen to his podcast, especially if you enjoyed his stories from today. And you can also find Hunter on Instagram at Mistunk Podcast, which is M-I-S-T-U-N-K Podcast. One more time, the next episode that will be coming out, it's going to be part two of this City of Mist two-parter. And it's all about exploring the MC's toolkit and how to actually create NPCs and mysteries. So make sure to keep an eye out for when that comes out, which will be next week. And I'll see you then.